often said, isn't it, that uh, time management books, okay, so, you know, books about productivity. It's often said that these sort of books, they make the same kind of uh, basic overall point, don't they? And that if you want to manage your time uh, most effectively, that what you do is you get the most important of your jobs done first, right? If you want to have an effective day, if you want to get lots and lots of stuff done during the week, that you don't do all the kind of little tiny, uh, less important tasks. You don't do those and leave the sort of uh, most significant point hanging over your head. You get that one. You get the most important task done, and you get it done first, right? Uh, Well, I'm sure you'd agree that as Christians, we don't do that. That as Christians, we leave the most important task, witnessing for Jesus Christ. Speaking to other people about Jesus, we leave that task well alone, don't we? And when we don't touch that task at all, and as a result, what happens? Well, as a result, we have then the weight in our lives, or we have the guilt of evangelism kind of hanging over our heads all the time, don't we? Well, this morning, here's the plan. The plan is to look at that section of scripture that we read together in Acts chapter 8 and just to think about this task of evangelism as Christians and uh, the hope is that the Holy Spirit blesses what we do just now and really the hope is that we can go from this room this morning because of the power and the grace of God and we can actually do this The hope is that we are equipped and that we go and we actually tell people this week about the good news of Jesus Christ and that we don't just have the guilt, you know, the weight of evangelism just hanging over us all the time. That's the hope. Let's make a start. So if if you've got your Bibles there, please turn with me to Acts chapter 8 because we're going to need to look at this and pay close attention to the text. Let's think about the first point. This is the first heading this morning, and it's this. What we see here is what God does in evangelism. You got me? What God does in evangelism. Now, I've got a theory. Could be wrong. Here's my theory. My theory is that part of the problem with witnessing is that we are scared of it. Right? It's scary, isn't it? I mean, talking to other people about Jesus Christ, you know, it, it kind of isolates us, doesn't it? We are kind of exposed. It's just us and this other person, you know. It's, I find it scary. It's scary, isn't it? Well, what we find here in these verses is despite the fact that it looks like here it's just Philip and uh, some other guy and he's talking to him about Christ. You know, it looks like just Philip's here isolated by himself. In reality, it's not like that at all. In reality, Philip is not alone in his evangelism. So, how do we see that? What what, what does God do in evangelism? Okay, I'll give you a couple of things to follow here, please. Two things to look at. One, what God does is he prompts us in witness. Okay, think about that. He prompts us, pushes us in witness. Now, how how do we see that? Well, where are we in the story? If you've been here in the last couple of weeks, where are we in the story? We are back with Philip, this guy Philip. Now, we've seen, do you remember we saw Philip a couple of weeks ago? And he was kind of 
up there in Samaria. Remember that unnamed city and he'd won all of these converts to Jesus Christ, okay? So we've seen Philip. Then the attention of the author turned to another chap. Remember who that was? That guy, Simon. He was a beaut, wasn't he? I mean, because Simon was trying to buy the Holy Spirit. So looked at Simon. But now, okay, here, this morning, we're back looking at Philip and we've got him. You've got to think about he's he's meeting this what we what we call a rather unusual guy. He meets this guy in the middle of nowhere on the, this dusty road, and Philip starts telling him about Jesus Christ. But this is what I want us to notice. Notice how this whole episode, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, notice in your Bibles how it comes about. Look at look at verse twenty six. So this is the first verse of the section. Look at how all of this comes about. Do you see it? Start at verse 26. Look, I'll read it. An angel of the Lord said to Philip. Do you see? Then, if you've got your Bibles open, look again at verse 29. Look. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So do you see what we're being told? We are being told that God himself is engineering everything that we are going to read about today. That God himself was involved in all of this. That that God here knows exactly what's going to happen. That God knows where Philip needs to go to meet this guy. That God knows what Philip needs to say to this man, this Ethiopian guy. That God has got this. That Philip is not here by himself. In fact, do you know what? If, If we're honest, this is, this episode... This is God's evangelism rather than Philip's, isn't it? And so, right away, let's take this into the room. And let's apply this. Because what we're seeing here is that if, as Christians, we are like this guy, if we're like Philip, and if we're willing to give up everything to witness for Jesus Christ, if we are willing to open our mouth. If we are prayerful about witnesses, Philip no doubt would have been. Do you know what's going to happen? If we're walking with God, do you know what's going to happen? God is going to push us into witness. God is going to prompt us into evangelism. No longer, imagine this, right? No longer is it going to be, oh no, not evangelism. I hate evangelism. I'm not cut out for this. No longer will it be like that. You know, if we are walking with God, he is going to push us, prompt us into this. And guess what? We are going to want to tell other people all about our God and King. Here, God himself instigates evangelism. And he can do that. He can do that with us. So God prompts. Okay, what else does God do in evangelism here? Well, there's a lot of P's in this one, but God also puts people in our path. He puts people in our path. So, so you're with me and you, you know how this section of scripture begins, right? You've got the angel of the Lord speaking to Philip and then you've got God arranging this meeting. But here's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about who, who this guy was that Philip meets. Because to be honest, we're kind of told quite a lot about this chap, aren't we? Um, 
here's where I get myself into trouble. We're told, look at it, we're told, what was he? He was a eunuch. Okay. I am hoping, friends, that you know what a eunuch is. I am hoping that I don't have to go into a lot of detail about what a eunuch is. Um, a eunuch uh, was a man who has had his uh, male reproductive organ removed. So, snip, snip. Okay, he's, he's, he, he's a eunuch. Okay? Now, why is why is this guy a eunuch? Well, it was actually quite common for this to happen to men who were in the royal court, for men who were around the queen to have this done. And that's his case, isn't it? That's where he was, because look what we're told. He was around the queen. He was, it says, an, an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen. Right? So he's a eunuch, and he's a treasurer. What else are we told? We're told that he was a religious man because we're told that he has gone up from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in order to worship God. So we've got that. Then we get to the most important bit of information we've got about this dude, okay? Because look where he is from. Do you see where he's from? He's from much, much further south right? He is from, do you see it? He's from Ethiopia. Now, why is that the most important bit of information that we've got here? Well, we've got to think about what's going on in this, in this book and in this part of Acts. What's happening in Acts? There's the sort of, remember the missionary expansion of the church, right? The, the gospel, the good news. It's gone out in Jerusalem in the first part of Acts. Now, what have we got here? We've got the beginning of the good news going out to the, the rest of the world. And so do you see why it's awesome? Do you see why this meeting here is just so amazing? God leads Philip to an Ethiopian. He leads Philip to a man who is from here going to take that glorious good news, Jesus Christ, and he is going to take it into the continent of Africa for the very, very first time. Friends, you see, not only will God prompt us in evangelism, but God is going to put people in our path, people that we can talk to about Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes those situations that we're going to find ourselves in, they are going to be weird, aren't they? Just like this. Think about it. We've got an Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of the desert here. The whole thing screams, this is strange, really strange. And it might be like that for us. But if we are listening to the voice of God, and if we are obeying God, then God will take us to people to tell them about the good news. And more than that, God will work wonders through us. That is what God does in evangelism. Okay. Let's move on. Tell you what, let's turn the tables. That's what we'll do. Because we've seen what God does in evangelism. He prompts us and he puts people in our path. Second here, let's think about what we must do in evangelism. Um, 
Now, with the rise of Christian blogs and Christian websites, I've read and I've heard the same thing uh, from a number of Christian pastors in the recent past. Heard the same thing, and that is from a number of Christian pastors. They're saying that they really find this, what we're doing today, very difficult. That they find preaching on evangelism hard. Because they say it's hard because what they feel is that they end up just nagging at people, you know? Just end up moaning at congregations. Oh, God tells us we've got to do this. You people have got to do this, you know? You just feel like a sound like a broken record well in our second heading i hope that's not what happens at all in our second heading here what i hope that we notice together from this portion of scripture are a number of vital guidelines and pointers they're not about nagging but guidelines that scripture gives us about how we should go about this. Guidelines that should assist us this week in how we witness to people. So this isn't nagging. Let's look at these pointers. Let's look what Scripture says. Let's look at these guidelines, okay? Here's the first one. We see here the need to draw near to the unbeliever. To draw near to the unbeliever. Now, how do we see, see that? Well, what have we noticed? We've seen, where are we? We've got the Holy Spirit has prompted Philip into witnessing, and then Philip's instantly sort of obeyed this. He's gone down at the desert road. And so now we're at the stage where he sees ahead of him a chariot. And chariots these days, you know, he's not pelting along the road. The chariot's going quite slowly along the road, and Philip sees this. Now, what I want us to look at and to think about is the instruction that God gives Philip at this point. So this is before Philip has met the Ethiopian. What is the instruction that God gives him? Again, is that verse we just look at? It's verse 29. Have a look. Verse 29. What does God say? What's the instruction? Philip, go to this chariot and do what? Stay near it. So do you see the, the idea? Do you see what God's saying? He's saying... Go to this guy. I mean, stay near this this bloke. Travel alongside this this man. Run alongside this man. Philip, get close to this guy, will you? Now, do you see how that helps us and helps us with our witness? Friends, as Christians, we too should go to the chariots of those people we are trying to reach out to with the gospel, we should go to those chariots and we should stay near them. Now, what does that mean? It means that we should be putting ourselves out there in the path of those who don't know Jesus Christ. Not just keeping ourselves to a nice Christian bubble, putting ourselves out there. It means that we've got to be trying to draw close to unbelievers. It means, crucially, that we've got to try and love and show love to unbelievers and to be nearby should they want to talk to us about faith. So he's told to draw near. Okay, second guideline here. 
we also, this is the hard one, we also need to be willing to ask questions of the unbeliever. Now, what do I mean by that? Willing to ask questions. Well, it's all very well what I've just said. It's all very well if we're willing to sort of draw near to an unbeliever and sort of be there should they happen to want to speak to us about faith. That's all very nice and that's, that's great and it's right, it's true. But do you remember what, do you remember that phrase we had in a sermon three weeks ago and I repeated it probably too many times. I kept repeating the same phrase. It was that phrase, Christian witness isn't effective witness if Christian witness is silent. Do you see? It's great if we Christians determine to lead this sort of life of example, this holy life. We should. But do you see that that is not enough? Consider Philip. Consider what he does here. He doesn't sort of just run alongside this chariot for mile after mile after mile hoping that the Ethiopian sort of winds down the window and asks him about his faith. I mean, that's not what Philip does, is it? Do you see, Philip knocks on the chariot and it's Philip who speaks. It's Philip who instigates this conversation. He asks the question in verse 30. He starts it off saying, excuse me, do you understand what it is you're reading? So friends, clear what I'm about to say because of anything it's surely the most important thing to take away from this morning we need to be willing to begin conversations about Jesus Christ are we we need to think about how we're going to raise the topic of the gospel we need even to have questions in advance. Maybe even really simple questions. You know, starters like, you know, do you go to church? Or do you believe in, in, in God? What about, can I tell you something about what I believe about Jesus Christ? We need to begin, you know, begin the conversation, kick these off. Does that sound horrible and really hard? I'm just about to make it worse. Because not only do we need to do that with our friends, we need to be willing to begin conversations about Jesus Christ with strangers. That's what Philip does, isn't it? And I know, as soon as I say that, <laughs> you know, all the alarm bells go off, right? You know, we all sort of freak out. You know, we all sort of go back to that thing where we're Londoners, you know? Londoners don't even look at strangers, never mind speak to them or bring up a conversation about Jesus Christ. But you see, that's the point of this portion of Scripture. Philip was willing to break accepted cultural norms in order to speak about Christ. He was a poor isolated man on a desert road who goes up and speaks to a high-ranking foreign official that just simply was never done. You would never, ever do that. And yet he can see how important it is to talk about Jesus Christ. And so he speaks. We have to be willing to begin conversations about our Lord. 
So we need to draw near, we need to ask questions. Next. We, friends, need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you've been watching much of the football, much of the World Cup uh, over the past couple of weeks. I've caught the occasional game. And uh, the thing that's probably uh, struck me the most, not being the football, the football's not been that great, uh, what struck me the most are the national anthems. You know, because even if these guys can't play particularly well, they can sure sing, you know? These guys are really belting out uh, the, the national anthems. And I was thinking about this. I'm not sure that I would be able to do that. Because um, I'm not sure, when I thought about it, whether I even know the words to uh, Flower of Scotland, which is going to be obviously difficult when inevitably I am chosen for the uh, Scottish football team. Um, but I don't know the words. Now, here's the thing. What I want you to do is bear in mind, just for a moment, your national anthem. Just hold it there for a second. Now, where are we in this story? We've got Philip speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch. He has asked him a question, and the the Ethiopian eunuch has invited Philip up into the chariot. So they're sitting there together, and then I suppose to sort of continue the football analogy, Philip takes the open goal that he's given uh, because the Ethiopian eunuch asks him to explain this portion of scripture to him. And Philip does. He points the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. Go back to your national anthem. You know the words to your national anthem. Do you know the words? Do you know the lyrics to the gospel? Because it is something that is much more intrinsically tied to your identity as a Christian. But really, could you do what Philip does here? I mean, could you take this portion of scripture that he's got in Isaiah 53? And could you tell him the good news of Jesus Christ? Could you do that? We need to be able to do this. I mean, we need to be able to verbalize the gospel. We need to be able to show people and tell people that God is good, that sin is universal, that it separates us from God. We need to be able to show people and tell people that God has taken the initiative with this, that he has sent his son to die, And we need to be able to tell people that salvation from sin only comes through repentance and belief in him, in Jesus Christ. Now, can we as a congregation, can you as an individual do this? Can you explain the gospel? If not, why not? Here, what we've got is Philip explaining the good news. What does he do? He draws near to an unbeliever. He begins a conversation about Jesus Christ and he explains the gospel to this man. He points him to Christ. That is what we must do in evangelism. Okay. It's what God does and then what we must do. Okay. 
Our third, our last heading is what might happen in evangelism. What might happen in evangelism. Okay, so we're, we're thinking about Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch, and they're now together in the chariot, and they're chatting to each other about matters of faith and belief. But what I want us to do is just think again about this continuous, wonderful working of the Holy Spirit. Because get this, a couple of things. First of all, do you see that the Holy Spirit leads this man, this Ethiopian eunuch? The Spirit leads him to a portion of Scripture that is clearly all about Christ. Now, I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, excuse me, Pastor, you're wrong. Uh, technicality, uh, all scripture is about Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah, very good. Uh, you're right. Um, but it's true, isn't it, that certain passages of the Old Testament speak about Christ much more clearly than other portions of the Old Testament. Isn't that true? And look at what the Holy Spirit leads this Ethiopian eunuch to read. Before Philip's even evolved, look what the Ethiopian's reading. He is reading Isaiah chapter 53. So he's reading, he's been led by the Holy Spirit to read about the suffering servant. Do you see how lovely that is? Do you see how fantastic it is? The Holy Spirit leading this man, unprompted by anyone else, to a passage of scripture that is saturated with the gospel, saturated with Jesus Christ, okay? And then, lastly, I want you to notice this. I, I preached in this portion of Scripture in here two years ago, before, I, uh, before you were foolish enough to call me as your minister. Um, and I made a similar point to this last point. And I sort of wrestled with whether we should look at it again, but it's, it's wonderful. Um, so let's look at it. We've seen that the Holy Spirit leads this man to a passage of Scripture that's all about Christ. But notice that the Holy Spirit also leads the man to a passage of Scripture that clearly spoke directly to the Ethiopian man. Now, remember what we said this guy was. What was he? Snip, snip. He was an Ethiopian man. And we said he was a religious man as well, right? That he's a man who's, who's traveled up from Ethiopia to Jerusalem and he's tried to worship God. But you know what? He wouldn't have been allowed into the temple. Eunuchs were barred from entrance into the temple. Now, think about the verses he reads in Scripture and remember that this guy is a eunuch. Okay, look at it. What have we got? Verse 32. This is from Isaiah 53. The suffering servant, remember he's a eunuch, this man reading it. Suffering servant led like a lamb before shearers. Must have seemed familiar to a eunuch. Then verse 33. You've got talk of this man's humiliation. Then the fact that he was deprived of justice. This is a eunuch reading this. Then think about what we're told in verse 33. Look at it. 
And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. A eunuch reading this, you know, a, a man with, with, with no children, a man with no kids and no name as far as ancient cultures were concerned, and he's reading this. No wonder the Ethiopian eunuch turns to Philip and says, you know, who's the writer speaking of here? But with this we close. Get this. We know, because we're told here, that Philip didn't just end here. He didn't just read those short verses and that's it, finish. We know that Philip took this passage of Scripture and he took the eunuch, the gospel. Here's what I think happened next. Philip carried on reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And do you know what would have happened if he just turned the page in his Bible, so to speak, and read on in Isaiah? Do you know what he would have read? He would have read this. Let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to eunuchs who hold fast to my covenant. I will give a memorial to them. I will give them a name that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that is not cut off. Can you imagine what that would have been like for this man hearing that? He's traveled to Jerusalem and he has been rejected. And on his way back, a man speaks to him about Jesus Christ. And he hears of everlasting acceptance. He hears of an everlasting family that is available in Jesus Christ. Friends, as the Holy Spirit showed this man Christ, as this Holy Spirit spoke directly to this man, as the Holy Spirit here even provided a watering hole in the middle of the desert, for this guy to be baptized, the Holy Spirit can speak to those you speak to about Jesus Christ. God is with us in our evangelism. And what happens next Sunday morning? We've got an invitation service. So let's go the week ahead and let's speak to our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues about the gospel and don't please say to me next sunday oh but my friends they wouldn't come from their home to this church it's too far away from what the holy spirit led this guy from ethiopia to jerusalem and then back again to show him the glory of god your friends can be led here next week and if they come you speak to them about Jesus Christ. What's going to happen? What might happen? Verse 39. The Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He was rejoicing. Friends, maybe if we speak to them, our friends will come to rejoice in the newness of life, in the salvation from sin that is available in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.